All right, you ready? I'm so ready. I, I kind of dig the not shaving at all type thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it'll be gone in a day or two. <laughs> I shaved yesterday. I look like a caveman. I I, I kind of like driving home the point why I don't shave because I have all sorts of road bumps and everything and I slice my neck open and it just wouldn't stop bleeding. Yeah, you look so. nice. Look at your old kind of clean cut and look nice. Yeah. Costco. I'm now at the age where I buy stuff at Costco. <laughs> it's so comfortable though. It's so comfortable. <laughs> Welcome to the Coast Down Podcast, presented by Pratt Miller. Pratt Miller, transforming what's possible. Welcome to the Coast Down Podcast, episode number one of 2024. Yeah, is that how we're doing it? We're going to restart? We're going to restart. I like we it. got uh, up to 30 episodes last year in 2023. Wow, that's good. Kickoff year, that was great. Um, we kind of shot from the hip last year. We had news we had guests we had more news uh on the track off the track so i think we're going to follow that uh we're still going to try and get some more guests going um and we have had uh, a little bit of activity in the off season but we have a new team sponsor we do mr luke yeah so exciting uh it came together pretty quick but uh forge line out of uh, dayton ohio um, we, you know what, I should know this. I do not know how long we've been using their wheels for, but we currently use their wheels on our Z06. And they are a, uh, a forged aluminum manufacturer. They design and make and forge all the wheels in the U.S. And they, they pretty much have a catalog that fits just about every performance car, uh, street and track. So, awesome. um, it's really cool. They uh, this deal came together. Uh, so sorry. Today is um, uh, Monday, January fifteenth. Uh, January sixteenth. Tomorrow at nine a.m. The press release will come out. Uh, pretty straightforward release. Just letting everyone know who they are, what we're going to do for the next few years. It's a multi-year deal, and um, a lot of the deal revolves around uh, us and them generating content and sharing content back and forth. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Because as we all know, there's a huge contingent of gearheads out there that love to take pictures of their cars yep so uh, we're gonna do some cool stuff with them uh, which will also include a vinyl sticker in this studio yeah and maybe with some sound deadening panels as well because yeah, it does <laughs> yeah. um but yeah so the the studio i think i think it was painted for the jackie deal but uh, uh, it's painted black. It's still echoey, but we're getting there to having it look kind of how I want to. We'll have a big forge line uh, sticker behind us on both sides when we uh, film people. Uh, we've got a couple of new cameras, as I explained to you yeah. before you jumped in here, so that's cool. Um, so yeah, we're slowly but turn uh, slowly but surely making forward progress. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah, it well, and I mean, we're racing like tomorrow. Yeah, Pe guys are flying. Teams flying down this Wednesday for the roar. Um, roars this weekend. Qualifying's on Sunday, mm -hmm. and then you and I go down a week from Wednesday yep. for the big, the big, big show. Yep. The new cars, the new, all our new sponsors. New, yep. new, 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 new. Yeah, we have um, a handful of people. I think it's uh, last time I checked, it's 16 people all together coming from JLG, which is uh, one of the portfolio companies from Oshkosh couple Oshkosh executives. Um, they also have a new brand manager. She's going to be down there. Uh, so it's it's going to be a lot. Now, for those of you that have joined the Pratt Miller Motorsports Collective, uh, our first uh, platinum VIP race is Sebring. Uh, but uh, stay tuned to your email and text messages because we may throw a bone to a couple of you people down in Daytona. Um, so that will be fun. Uh, also with the collective, I, I believe all kits have shipped. And there have been a couple posts on social media of people getting their boxes and taking pictures of them, yeah, which is really cool. Fun. Yeah. So I'm glad to finally see that out in the open and people can start to see like uh, all the merchandise that gets sent out, the quality of that, because I know that was a big hot button for us internally. And then once some of these experiences happen after the race and during the race, those get broadcasted as well so people can see what's going on. Can we uh, drop some other news that has not been released yet right here, right now? You can do whatever moment. you want. We have a podcast. I love this forum. <laughs> you can just do anything. So we are green on Team Fan Gear. Oh, good. Okay. Um, we are going to have Team Fan Gear at Daytona. 
uh-huh. um, sold by Burston. Um, it'll be a small collection of things uh, just because of, of time. Um, but we will also be launching uh, a merch store online um, where fans can go ahead and start buying a variety of items. And, and that's going to be launched before Daytona. So super exciting. Okay. So uh, I will make posts as we get closer because we have been asked about merchandise since well back in 2023. Yep. It's coming. So it's if, you're, happening. if you're at Daytona, we will have a location there and we will post exactly where they are. Do you yep. know, are they outside or inside the track? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I think inside. And then uh, once the online shop gets up and running, that will be posted as well. Yep. And is that, can you clarify, is that team uh, gear like Pratt Miller Motorsports or is that uh, Corvette Racing by Pratt Miller Motorsports? Corvette Racing by Pratt Miller Motorsports. Yep. So this will be the lockup logo. This So this is the Pratt Miller Motorsports with the Corvette Racing Correct. logo yep. lockup. So it will have the Corvette flags on it. Um, and it'll have Jake, Jake's on there. Yep. It looked good. Looks yep. really good. Yeah. So, uh, shout out to GM. They worked uh, with us. Uh, we started talking with them not too long ago, but um, we just can't use the Corvette flags just because we want to. So there was a lot of working behind the scenes to get that taken care of. So we really appreciate that. Yep. They've been great. Yeah. And um, so yeah, we um, uh, again, it's it's a uh, it's a monumental task to get all of these things up and running, um, but we're we're making progress and. Um, uh, it should come together really nicely. Yeah, super so. excited. Okay. Um, so, obviously, there isn't a ton. I think technically Formula E had a race this past weekend. I did not watch it. Uh, but that does not fall into our format, so I don't really care. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> uh, but they're uh, – so from January 12th, which was our last podcast um, – I'm sorry, December 12th of last year to now, we have not had a podcast, but there's been plenty of news that has come out. So I'm just going to kind of go down uh, all the news that has happened um, uh, somewhat in chronological order, and uh, we can shoot from the hip and comment on these depending on I like it. Uh, what it is. Um, so uh, Kyle Larson and Brad Sweet, they have their High Limit Racing um, uh, Dirt Series. Uh, they're creating a charter system. And it's yeah. going to look kind of like the NASCAR one. Um, they're partnering partnering with Flow Sports. Uh, Flow is the streaming partner of the series. Flow is also an investor in the series. And the media revenue is going to be distributed starting in 2026. So they're going to identify teams in 24 and 25 to hand out the first few batches of charters. And then in 26, the teams are going to start receiving revenue based on those charters. Uh, they have a certain thing that they have to do, but one of them is competing in every race. I think they're going to have 60 races, which Ooh. <laughs> I can't even, I can't 60 races. That. That's just a lot of racing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but the charter yes. teams, uh, as of this article, when it was posted, they said they're going to get 50% of the streaming revenue. Wow. That's great. So, um, that's, uh, it's definitely cleaner to start building a charter system from scratch on a new series where they can start with a clean slate. Uh, so I'm sure that helps quite a bit. Yeah, for but, sure. Uh, it's really good to see that uh, they're starting something new and they're building a model where kind of everybody wins. Yeah, love it. So that's great. Um, a big shot over the bow from Honda. Uh, yeah. This was, I think, just before Christmas. Um, they came out, uh, so the uh, gentleman's name is uh, Chuck Shafisky. I think I'm probably pronouncing it incorrectly. He's the motorsports manager for American Honda. He had a discussion with someone at Racer Magazine, and he basically said that uh, Honda's IndyCar uh, engine supplier deal runs out at the end of 2026, and right now the costs are crazy, and the costs are exceeding uh, their um ROI. So they're thinking that they can take their money and go somewhere else. And unless something changes drastically in the series, that that is on the table for Honda. So they fired one over the bow. Um, uh, Those of you historically that have been watching IndyCar racing forever, um, things like this happen every, you know, six, eight, 10 years, depending on what manufacturer needs to kind of get something across the board. Um, So I I would take this somewhat with a grain of salt, but uh, everything that they're saying seems to be pretty accurate. And it's not like they're saying they would stop spending money in racing. They just said they would take their money and invest it in something else. So um, what are your thoughts on that statement? Yeah, it's a a tricky one. Um, I think there's a few things going on. So yeah, one, 
costs go up, go up and go up and go up. Um, the relevance of using the motorsport platform to develop technology has that platform has changed a lot. So, you know, everyone's into hydrogen, everyone's into, uh, electrification, all these things. Um, you know, so no one's really pushing ice engines like, like they were. Mm -hmm. So it used to be like, you know, Honda could invest, um, justify a lot of these expenses of like, yeah, we're, you know, we're working on the forefront of engine technology. We're developing all this great technology that'll basically go down into production cars. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we've got this great marketing platform and blah, blah, blah. So as things, as the value of the marketing platform goes down as, um, you know, the relevancy of the technology development isn't there. Um, you know, the ROI, um, isn't there anymore. So to, so if the ROI isn't there anymore, two things, one of two things has to change. One, like you said, they, they, they go somewhere else. Uh, well, I guess there's three things. Yeah. One, you go somewhere else Two, you increase the return on your investment mm -hmm. somehow, uh, or third is you reduce costs. And I think Honda wants to stay. Yeah but they want to reduce the cost. Right. And, and, and I, I support that. I think, I think IndyCar does need some cleanup in terms of cost management. Um, it, that, that the sanctioning body, um, needs to drive. And, um, I, I think it was also in the same article, but they were, uh, they, he was suggesting that maybe there is going to go back to a single source engine supplier for the series, uh, that really, takes the engine manufacturer brand out of it and it's just really kind of ag an agnostic type thing and it's an indie car and it's a driver and it's a team and it's less about honda or chevy winning or losing and having a common engine uh, i think the last time that happened was like in the was it the early to mid 90s when ford that was an all everyone ran ford cosworth so i think i think that like not competing on the ic engine makes sense uh -huh. i think you need uh oem involvement you right. need so motorsports right now um is is seriously propped up from from oes right um and they need to have they they it's a great platform for them thank goodness they they love it they 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 get a lot of value out of it we we can't have them leave so you have to find a way for the OEs to still get a lot of value out of these things and, and, and have the involvement or, or we're all in big trouble. Yeah. So, um, so how do you do that? That's the trick, right? So it used to be the engine that used to be the, the differentiator, but now if they pull out that there needs to be something else, they're talking about the hybrid system, you know, competing on the hybrid system, mm -hmm. um, which has a bit more relevancy to, you know, production car and technology, relevant technology development. So that could be interesting. Um, but yeah, we, you definitely need, you definitely need them involved. Yeah, I don't, <clears throat> I don't know. But it's, containing costs is a big thing. And, and I don't know if you want to get into this, but I have, I have a lot of thoughts on, on cost containment and, and motorsports. Um, cause it's a, it's a big subject. It's a big topic. Um, there's been a lot happening in NASCAR over the past five years in this area, F1 in this five years, um, in IndyCar, not so much. Well, would you be a proponent of spec engines and cars or just put a lid on the, on the spending? Man, that, that's a great question. Um, there are different ways of doing it, right? So you look at how F1 did it, they did it with a cap. Mm -hmm. Um, that sounds easiest, but also has its challenges, right? Mm -hmm. Cause then, you know, you need, how, how do you, uh, how do you police that? Right. Um, you can do like spec equipment, but then everyone makes their equipment, not so spec yep. and then cheats around that. Um, so, so there's a lot of ways to do it. I think what F1 has done, um, you know, they've had their hiccups and their problems and whatever, and there's a lot of gamesmanship you can do there. Um, but, but that seems to have been pretty, pretty successful. Mm -hmm. Um, the what NASCAR did, um, you know, with the spec car, the, the cost to go racing, I don't think at the end of the day changed that much. Um, but they did reduce the barrier to entry, which was one of their goals. Um, and then IndyCar is kind of they're they don't they're not really doing 
much on on cost containment at the moment. I mean, they do have a spec car, and you know, you choose your three engines. But the way the budgets kind of come together uh, for for IndyCar is it costs more to go IndyCar than to go racing IndyCar than you can get on the open market to run a team. So it's very it's a very challenging yep. business model there. Um, and at, people at, are at paying t- and people are paying attention what NASCAR is. Uh, somewhat going through or getting towards the end of this shift. IndyCar did that five or six years ago. And it was like, I remember teams in IndyCar would bring left and rights, A-arms, uprights. Everything was very specific. Now it's just a generic piece that can go left or right. So yep. that, that type of thinking yep. with the parts and pieces, with the common chassis, um, do do hardcore IndyCar fans want to see that? No. But do they want to see IndyCar racing? Yes. So in order to keep this thing going, you need to balance it out. So what yep. they figured out is what NASCAR has been going through with this uh, next generation car. And again, I think I mentioned this on here before. After focusing only 100% on IMSA for me and watching it, IMSA has everything figured out, almost everything figured out. And I don't think a series will ever figure out everything. <laughs> but if you look at what IMSA has, they're one TV deal away from being the sweet spot, I think. Um, they have a lot of Formula One-esque um, pull, international drivers, yep. but not Formula One price tag. Right. They have car relevance. They look like they're, they're real cars. Yep. You know? And yep. I'm talking about the GT class. Yep. Um, and even the prototype class, they don't look like cars, but they look like rocket ships. Yep. And that's still going to be interesting to people. All right. Um, although not a popular topic, they have figured out how to balance the power. Um, they have figured out, and we've seen it over and over again, and I guarantee you we'll see it at Daytona on the final hour. You're going to have, you're going to look at every class. There's going to be four or five cars on top of each other yep. after racing for a full day. Yep. Um, and they have, uh, it's a very approachable paddock. Yep. Uh, the drivers, it's, uh, drivers are popular, but it's more about the car. Uh, so there's just a lot of things that that IMSA has that I think if you are even a casual fan or more, you're going to want to gravitate towards that. And I, I know my feeds that I watch with Pratt Mill Motorsports is very slanted towards sports car racing, but there's a lot of comments of people like, okay, here are the things I'm going to watch this year. And it's not Formula One and it's not NASCAR. It's WEC and IMSA mm. because it's, it's quote-unquote real racing. Uh, they're driving real cars and they're the driver personalities are such where you can identify with them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and some are flamboyant. Some are very open. You know, they come from all different walks of life. I mean, shit, even our team with our drivers, if you include the endurance drivers, we got, we got someone from everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think it's very appealing and the cost to entry from a partner standpoint is not uh, formula one or NASCAR. And, um, I you know we I don't want to go into the conspiracy theory of it, but I th- I think they have figured it out, and I think they own their niche spot in the world of motorsports, and I think that they're cool being there. And me, uh, I wish they would push a couple more buttons to try and take away some more market share. Yeah, but yeah, that's, no, it's you're right. I mean, there's a lot of neat things going on there. Yeah. And again, what I always come back with with IMSA is you know IMSA fans are like car fans, mm-hmm. right? They really love their cars. They really love their brands. Mm-hmm. I would say they're probably more brand loyal than, um, you know, any other series, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, and they just, they want to know all the details of the car and how it works. Yeah. Um, more than their interest in the driver, which is which is yep. pretty interesting. And that's good. You touch on that. The brand, the the brand loyalty. You can say that there's a lot of brand loyalty in Formula One and also in NASCAR. If we're just talking about here in the U.S., which which I agree. But uh, a fan in NASCAR being brand loyal to an energy drink that buys two hundred dollars worth of energy drinks every year, eh, whatever. Yeah. But the brand loyalty in IMSA, they're buying eighty thousand dollar cars, right? Purely based on the love of the brand. Yeah. So BMW, Porsche, Corvette, it's a, it's whatever. It's a whole other yeah. level of brand affinity, yeah. I think. Yeah. You know? Oh, and they love them, too. Like, it's not just, like, yeah. they're passionate Porsche people, passionate BMW yeah. people, whatever, you know. Yeah. Passionate Cadillac, passionate Corvette. Uh, uh, so Honda uh, engine. Um, so a, a, a quick meme came out, and not a meme, but just someone was posted from 2023, the top NASCAR tracks, uh, trackside sales. So all the merchandise that is sold at trackside last year in NASCAR, there were the top 15 
Um, Dale Jr. was number 10. Dale Sr. was number 12. Uh, if I am NASCAR, I'm publicly high-fiving myself, but behind the scenes, I'm scratching my head because uh, those guys, Dale Jr. hasn't driven in seven or eight years. Dale Sr. passed away in 2001, and they're still on the top sales. They need to work on their building their characters of their drivers. Um, yeah. The top 10, you know, is Denny Hamlin. I forget who it was. Uh, uh, Chase Elliott, uh, Ross Chastain, Reddick, uh, Bubba, and a few other people, Kyle Busch. Um, and uh, Harvick now that you know he's left too uh, but you quickly run out of your, your top guys right and yeah. when I started watching it and working in it there was uh, the list was long of people that you can identify with and knew and you know were impactful in the sport and I think those guys still exist today but the quantity is cut in half at least yeah yeah so um, you know good for the Earnhardts to still be there but man <laughs> someone's gonna get some work going over there to get some more popular guys over there yeah i agree i agree yep um and then so uh honda fired one over the bow of indycar about a week later honda usa uh, an article came out that they're going to contribute to the 2026 f1 engine or f1 power unit for aston martin honda racing corporation usa which is the new name uh, honda says uh, that with three f1 races in the u.s the new hrc us will be uh, involved in the F1 power unit development and race support starting in 2026. Uh, so that, that to me, being a week apart was not a mistake. Uh, there was obviously nothing mentioned in either article to tie those two together, but that's something that because they specifically said they're going to, it's going to uh, be a contributor here in the U S for that power unit. Mm -hmm. That could be money that they can take away and, and help fund, uh, for formula one. Mm -hmm. Yep. Cause we, we know the popularity, whether you like the racing or not. Formula One is is, popu is the most popular motorsport today, um, and uh, you know we've talked to a brand that uh, gets I think they said 12x on their return uh, by being involved with Formula One. So that's that's a big number, wow. uh, both yeah. branding and from a, a sales standpoint. So it's um, it's a global sport. It's you know to me it's always been Formula One and soccer are the two biggest sports in the world. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, they want big numbers, but they give big, big numbers back. Uh, Trackhouse Entertainment Group, uh, they are in the middle of, and it looks like they have raised some public or um, uh, private equity money to get into MotoGP. Uh, they took over uh, RNF Apria, which is uh, one of the teams, I think. Uh, are, are, the, do you, are the rules in MotoGP the same where you have to have a two-bike team? Don't know. Yeah. I don't know either, but they're in MotoGP. Um, they're, they're getting into some really, really interesting stuff. Uh, Justin Marks over there. Uh, I, I really don't know much about MotoGP at all. No. Um, I, I do, every once in a while, I will see a clip on my feed, on my personal feed of some great battle. And it's always two bikes in the final several laps of a race. And that's it. Mm -hmm. You cannot see the rest of the field. And I always use those to say that, um, you know, everyone always bitches and moans about, oh, we need tighter racing. We, uh, you just need good, you need two people and two vehicles racing close together and people will watch it. Yeah, close to the end of the race. Right. Yep. You're right. Yeah, you don't need 40 people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Don Schumacher, uh, owner of um, a very um, popular and successful top fuel team, passed away. Uh, lung cancer, uh, Roland Leong, uh, who was the tuner for Don Perdome for many years. Uh, the, uh, the Hawaiian uh, was his nickname. Uh, he passed away. And Gilda Farron passed away. That was probably the most um, uh, unexpected. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Schumacher and Leong were fighting, I believe, different forms of cancer. And um, uh, their, their fight came to the end. However, Gilda Farron, he was 56. Um, uh, had uh, uh, he had one daughter, I think she's in her 20s, and then their son is a little bit younger than that. Um, but the one thing I read um, from Anna was that he was racing with his son on a track, and he pulled over and stopped and died behind the wheel Jesus. and wanted to stop because he felt something coming on and didn't want to endanger his son. So that was really sad. Um, uh, he's been around the paddock for many years in IndyCar, uh, Indy 500 champion. Um, so that's, that was a bummer. Yep. Huge bummer. 
and I don't know, you know, mathematically they always say it comes in threes. And that was those three guys passed away like all within a week, yeah. which was odd. Yep. Um, Cheddar's restaurant renewed with RCR and NASCAR and Kyle Busch. They, ex- they extended their deal to a multi-year deal. Uh, Darden Restaurants is the parent company. I've never seen a Cheddar's or been in a Cheddar's before, um, but they're 182 stores in 28 states. Um, they're the third most popular uh, franchise in the Darden portfolio ahead uh, behind Olive Garden and Longhorn Steakhouse. Hmm. So, I don't think I've ever been to Cheddar's either. Yeah, I couldn't tell you where one is, but good for them. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we'll have to go now. Check it out. Yeah, I guess. Um, uh, So as of uh, December 23rd, IMS is up 10,000 tickets ahead of where they were last year for the Indy 500. Most people are pointing to Kyle Larson running that as being the reason. And that article at the time said if they raced the Indy 500 on the 23rd of December, that day it was reported, there would be 225,000 people there. So they will easily sell out. I think technically that's close. To, I think 226 is what it seats. Um, they'll have over 300,000 people there, no problem. So that's great. Uh, uh, Kyle's running with McLaren, uh, a McLaren-prepped car, and Hendrick Money. I think that's how the relationship is yeah, working. it's a Hendrick Cars sponsor. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, that's great to see that. Uh, I just hope everyone stays safe and they prepare a really good car for him and, and not go for the jugular right out of the gate because it's um, uh, when Kurt Busch did it, uh, he I think he started seventh and finished eighth. He like, like throughout the whole month, he didn't move. Yeah, that's great. That's what you just need to do. Yeah. And so I think I, hopefully they do that because uh, uh, those accidents get pretty hairy. Uh, IndyCar, uh, they announced a deal with iRacing. Um, so yeah. at, at one point they had a deal, then it fell out, and now they're back together again. Uh, there's a big sigh of relief on online. Um, so basically, you can sign on to iRacing and race IndyCar vehicles, uh, but the console game is still to be determined. Mm-hmm. So will there be a console game? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> But uh, as of right now, IndyCar is back on iRacing. So if you're a, a member to that subscription, you can go race those cars, which is cool. Is it up and running already? Uh, I think. I'm yeah. not 100% sure. But I, I th- uh, it's it's a whole lot easier to get that up and running as opposed to building a console game and getting that out. Yep. Um, FedEx. Uh, the, the statement from FedEx and Denny Hamlin in, uh, in NASCAR, uh, FedEx is buying roughly the same amount of primary paint schemes for the 2024 season. Uh, FedEx be, uh, began cutting back in 2021. So I didn't look at the numbers, but when they say buying roughly the same means they're stepping down and eventually they'll be out, uh, which that, that's not a shock. That's a fairly common thing. FedEx has been in it forever. Uh, they were one of the last few Mohicans to be like the full-time sponsor on the car. Yep. And they're slowly pulling back. And uh, another follow-up article to that was that the CEO of FedEx was in a cost-cutting mode. So no surprise there. He's um, on the 11 there. Uh, this past couple seasons, there's been other brands to take uh, center stage on that car. Um, Danica Patrick was announced. She's going to be back uh, as a host of Sky Sports for the F1 broadcast here in the United States. Um, not too many people are happy about that. <laughs> I would be in that pool of people as well. Uh, I just, I, I, I don't even watch the first part of the race when she's there. Um, as of late uh, January 5th, uh, there are still local businesses in Vegas uh, saying how bad the race has impacted their business. I think there's some more lawsuits triggered. So, uh, again, I'm wondering if, if anything is going to change and maybe a slight tweak of the track and reroute to not step on these businesses. Yeah, I, I kind of want to get caught up on that. Where are you getting your news on that? Are you, are you going to the local uh, Las Vegas newspapers to see that stuff? There's, or, a, there's or, a motorsports there's a motorsports writer I follow, and he sometimes reposts those Las Vegas yeah, okay. business. I think it's like from the the Business Journal of Las Vegas. Um, but there was I, we mentioned on here a few podcasts ago, but there was one I think it was a convenience store, and I think they were saying their annual revenue was like eight million, and it was like four million last year. I mean, it's a huge cut. Right. Uh, not only of lack of people getting in there, but the the ramp that was built to go from the outside of the track to the inside of the track was like almost driving over their building. It was just a massive disruption. So that's um, that's still going to be a thing until they decide to fix it correctly. Uh, I just googled it, and there's a there's actually a Forbes article. Yep. Um, from oh look at this, um, January twelfth. Yep. Just a few days ago. Yeah. Um. 
This was an interesting one. Ray Evernham and Rom Kaufman bought the brand and trademark for IROC, International yes. Race of Champions. Uh, plans include hosting a race this year with historic cars from the series. Um, I uh, have a buddy that works uh, for a team up in Mooresville, and we have talked about this for many years. We believe, and I still strongly believe, that IROC was way ahead of its time. Um, if you look at what's happening now in NASCAR is what IROC was, it w- uh, except it went another step further. So instead of the teams preparing the car, it was one common builder of all the cars, and they divvied them out when they got to the racetrack. And it was putting drivers from all different types, types of disciplines into the car. And if you go back and look at uh, IROC racing clips online, uh, it's some pretty exciting racing. It's right. really, really exciting yep. racing. yep. Um, I don't, uh, so, uh, I saw a clip from Ray Evernham. He said that they're, they're doing as much research as possible to find where all of the cars are, uh, because at one point, whenever IROC shut down, they sold off all the cars and they've been bought and sold multiple times over. Um, I, I went to a car collection in Pennsylvania many years ago and the guy that had that, I think he had like six or seven of them like yeah. all untouched. Um, so they're going to have to find those people if they want to bring back those cars and prep them up. Um, they're pr- pretty basic i don't think i don't even know if there's a computer on the car so it, it could be fairly straightforward to get those cars back up to snuff and, and put drivers in there so that'll be kind of cool to see um uh, rowdy energy shuts down yeah uh, so that was kind of a big hit that's uh, kind of a bummer because uh, he built that based on his brand and built it on the back of racing and to have it shut down that's not the best I'm wondering if there's some other things going on there. I, I also saw that there's there could be like a class action lawsuit in California against Rowdy Energy. So I don't I don't know, hmm. but it, that thing doesn't exist anymore. Uh, Luxco, uh, which makes about 12 liquors, including Everclear, is doing a deal with RCR uh, and Kyle Busch with Rebel Bourbon. That will be for primary races in 2024 and 2025. Uh, so that. Uh, will that be a good fit? I think that'll be a good fit for RCR and Richard Childress. Um, I still don't see Kyle Busch as like being a good ambassador for a liquor company. I just mentally, I don't, I don't see that. I don't see him as a huge drinker, but that's just me. Hmm. I'm sure it'll be a lovely pairing. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Pietro Fittipaldi, uh, to Ray Hall Letterman, uh, in, uh, at an associate level, be five hour, five hour energy, which would be the first time they'll be back on a car since they're with Furniture Row and Martin Truex Jr. That's an associate deal. I don't know how much money that's going to be, but that's good to see a brand like that back in. It is. Yeah, that's great. Motorsport. Um, January 10th, Gunther Steiner fired. Yeah. Ugh. Wow. This is a, that's big. That was big news. That was a big news. Um, so I'm going to butcher his first name. Io Komatsu, uh, who was the longtime like chief engineer, he's been promoted to take Gunther's spot. Mm-hmm. Gunther's out. Uh, I saw a couple of videos from Gunther over the weekend, and he was uh, maintaining his appearances that he had to do. I don't maybe CES. I don't know. It was a big trade show somewhere, and mm-hmm. a guy put a microphone in his face. And asked him questions, and he basically said Gene was not happy with where we were performance-wise. Uh, Gunther wanted more investment into the team. Uh, they couldn't make a decision on that, and uh, he he said it's it's his team. He can do whatever he wants, and I was fired. Yep. So um, I think if you got both of those guys together, there might be a little bit more venom. But other than that, I think it was just a straight business decision. Uh, it just lands pretty hard because uh, Gunther Steiner was one of the key characters on um, Drive to Survive, Survive. Yep. Mm-hmm. and and uh, I use the word character very broadly because uh, he is a character and he was a character. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, for people like my wife that actually does not care about racing at all, and when we were stuck at home during the COVID era and when that first season came out, she watched every one of those episodes with me, and yep. he was one of the prime reasons for keeping someone like that involved in, in, in watching it. Yeah, I agree. I think um, well, certainly the, the early, the first year Drive to Survive, it was only kind of these smaller teams. Yep. And, um, you, you know, the, that house F1 was definitely featured and probably the, one of the biggest exciting stories yeah and gunther was at the middle of that and and yeah he was captivating and and super entertaining (laughs) um but i think as the seasons ran on 
more people came in. Mm-hmm. Chris Horner had a bigger uh, role. Everyone else and and Gunther's kind of stepped out of the limelight a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't think it'll be as devastating as it would have been if it was you know 2021 or whatever it was. Yeah. But still, you know, he yeah he's a big part of it for sure. And I think they're going to build a a sitcom or some sort of show around Gunther Steiner or his personality or something like that. And I, I saw that too. So I uh, I'm, I'm sure he'll be fine. But uh, from an entertainment standpoint, uh, I think that's a big hit to the paddock, the F1 paddock of um, having that person not be there anymore. Yeah, he was, he was kind of a central figure. Yep. Yeah. Do you think he'll land back in Formula One, or do you think he'll land somewhere on a competition team somewhere? Don't know. Yep. Uh, January 10th, Alexander Rossi. <clears throat> uh, I don't know where he was, but he uh, he stuck up for Roger a little bit. He said, obviously, IndyCar is not going to give you a play-by-play as to what they are ta- as to how they are tackling big challenges and preparing for future things. You have to trust in the process. We all do. Uh, so that was that was good. I, I have heard that there is a little um, uh, not the most uh, great things being said about Roger Penske and their confidence level of what he's doing or not doing. Um, I think it's easy to see that, you know, he's obviously upfitted uh, IMS with new restrooms and paint and all that stuff. But behind the scenes on the business side, I think people are waiting to see, like, what happens. Um, I know that they have hired, uh, their name is slipping me right now, to go out and negotiate a new TV deal, which will be huge. I mean, so much is going to hinge on that. So um, I, I agree with Rossi's statement that there's a process and they're, they're not going to broadcast what that process is on a day-by-day basis. However, if I'm a team owner and I have a lot of money either already invested or on the line or getting ready to come in, something has to be said and and this you can't do it at your own leisure this needs to happen now yeah unfortunately um dollar tree um they are a new primary sponsor of legacy motor club yeah this is 38 race deal yeah this is a big big deal i mean these things don't come around like you're just talking about fedex like right. this you don't, you don't hear this type of yep. stuff anymore so this is huge uh so 38 race deal uh the former dollar general ceo is now the ceo of dollar tree and um uh dollar tree and there's another they have F and family dollar I don't, i'm getting there's a lot of dollar companies in there but uh, basically this is a ceo that's very familiar with racing was in it in the past he was off for a few years um and then uh, Cal Wells is the new CEO at uh, Legacy, and I believe Cal Wells has a relationship with the CEO as well as Jimmy Johnson. So there was a lot of familiarity there. Hmm. Uh, and then so that came out as like, hey, we're going to go full-time racing with Legacy, big deal. And then a couple of days later came out that um, it wasn't exactly worded like this, but it may or may not look like the old target racing program where you'll have maybe – Dollar Tree or whatever brand they're going to stick on the hood, and then they're going to be associate level sponsors around the car, and those those companies are actually chipping in to help pay to get the car on the track, and in exchange, not only are they getting racing assets from the team, but they're probably also going to get uh, locations and certain assets within the uh, Dollar Tree locations, uh, shelf space, um, you know, certain privileges for buying, you know, all, all sorts of stuff. Um, uh, but that's, that's a great deal. Um, I, I'm sure Dollar Tree is spending some corporate, uh, uh money to, to fund that, but I, it'll probably be, uh, funded largely by the, um, vendors within Dollar Tree, which is great, which is how you should do it. So that was great to see. Uh, Prima Racing, uh, is considering an entry into IndyCar. Um, they are, um, a, was it Formula Two team, uh, Formula Three team in Italy, uh, so they're showing interest. So there's three teams uh, over the last 12 months uh, that are looking to get into IndyCar racing. Uh, Abel or Abel, I don't know how you pronounce that. Abel, Abel. I think it's Abel. Abel. Prima and some team called Pratt Motor or Pratt Miller. What? Say that one again. I'm not familiar with that one. Um, so uh, there are teams circling. Uh, I, I, you know, in in my mind, I always like to visualize things, and this is like when the girls are playing double dutch hopscotch yep and before they jump in they're like waiting <laughs> waiting for the right time to jump in so they don't get their head cut off 
so um, yeah, we uh, we are one of these three teams that's being mentioned. Uh, that's all absolutely correct. Uh, and it's it's coming down to a, a timing and funding discussion. And uh, it's um, there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes. A lot. Yes. Yeah, um, I mean Brand- Brandon's comments in the article are super accurate. Like every yeah. day we're we're yeah. working on this stuff. Yeah, and uh, special shout out to um, Marshall Pruitt. Uh, he was keeping things in line and giving us uh, so uh, that the the day the article came out about Prima Racing that came out. I forget it was last week, but it was came out in the afternoon. Um, uh, Marshall touched on where we stood. Uh, on an article that came out earlier that day because just in the terms of like all the people he talked to over the last year uh, we were one of the first ones to kind of speak up and say we're looking to get into IndyCar so he was he was keeping everything in line as a good reporter does that was great thanks very much to Marshall Uh, the next topic you know another downer Um, SRX postpones their fourth season yeah, um, this is big news. Uh, here's the you know the common theme theme uh, said costs surpass revenue. Um, so this was a short track. This was a bespoke uh, chassis made by Fury, designed by Evernham. Uh, all the cars looked the same, and, and in theory were all the same. Uh, they had uh, uh, kind of like this the senior PGA type approach to who was driving the cars. They had some current guys, but mostly guys that um, had retired from their um, individual racing disciplines. Um, and it was racing short tracks, uh, East Coast, Midwest, and uh, that is no longer. So that's a bummer to see that go. Well, they, they did say postpone, right? Yep. So are they, in, I, and I didn't read the articles, are they, are they hinting that they're coming back or are they, are they, I think the fact they say postponed leaves the door open for them. I read that as a PR spin. Yeah. I, I think that could they get it together if they got enough money? Sure. But, um, uh, I, I don't know the behind the scenes of it, but I think the first couple of years they had a pretty solid deal that maybe something kicked in where they needed to pay for more of their TV time mm-hmm. because their model was such that if if you were brand A and you wanted to get into SRX, you couldn't sponsor Haley Deegan. You sponsored the series, and they put your brand on whatever car it happens to be. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. at one point or every race, the crew chiefs would change drivers. So it was a more centralized sponsorship model where you sponsor um, I, the FLW fishing tournament was like this. Walmart ran that. And uh, brands can come in and sponsor the tournament, and then they just stick your, your brand on logo uh, ABC of all the fishermen. Um, and you, you weren't able to do a, a specific deal with a team and a driver or a fisherman using that example. So it's just mostly a media buy. Um, I think uh, they negotiated a, a pretty decent rate at the beginning and then probably just ran out of time and had a kicker come in that they couldn't afford. Mm-hmm. That would be my my educated guess on that. Yeah, my you but know still I, a guess. Uh, when I think of when I think of that series, when I think of um, you know, I rock all these things. Um, I mean, there's so much racing, uh, stock car racing. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of racing in general, but stock car, like my goodness. So, you know, whatever, 38 weekends of NASCAR racing. Mm-hmm. Um, then you, you bolt on the truck series, you bolt on Xfinity series, like, holy cow. And that's just NASCAR. And that's just NASCAR. <laughs> right. And then, and then, yeah, IROC and like, you know, SRX, all this stuff, like, holy cow, like who, yeah. who can consume all this? Yeah. It's a lot. I mean, it's, um, it's a lot. And I think half of me says, well, that's great, you know, because there's, uh, just like beer, yeah. you know, there's a million different types of beer. Yep. And, um, so you're going to, you're going to build your audiences, audiences for each, but, uh, just from a pure consumption standpoint, time in the day yep. and time in the week, it's a, lot. it's a lot. So it's really, what, what's really interesting is when you start looking at all these numbers and, and whatever is that truck series for, for what it is actually has really good viewership. Yeah, it's, uh, well, uh, their viewership is low. However, I think they have the most bang for the buck uh, based on the audience that you have. So they're going to have an audience of a million people watching every race, and it's going to cost you three or four million bucks a year to go race trucks. Yeah, well, yeah exactly. Yeah, as yeah. opposed to a million people watching, and it's going to cost you $15 million to go race trucks. Right, well, well, yeah, so my point is for what it is. Right, it, right. It's the value, the best value. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. Uh, the charter, uh, the charter deal was extended. They still haven't finalized that yet. Uh, I think the current, uh, there was two different ways people were viewing the current offer. And again, this is still not apples to apples in terms of like, they have no one from the team coming out and saying, here's what it is. So, uh, there's a couple different ways to interpret what the deal, the current deal is from NASCAR back to the team is one is 42% of revenue, uh, from TV and another one is 49%. And currently, uh, the teams are getting 39% of revenue. And uh, roughly, if, you, if you're a charter holder now at the cup level, they range anywhere from five to maybe eight million bucks at the top end of guaranteed cash per charter per year. So that's, that's what you're going to get back in return. Mm-hmm. And there was, I don't know what the formula is, but when they gave those charters out for free in order to get a charter in 2016, when they were handed out, there was a certain level of criteria that teams had to meet to get it. Mm-hmm. And then they value each charter differently depending on how long that team or that number has been into the sport, how many wins it has, how many championships it has. Um, so I think the, uh, the most valuable charters are held by legacy motor club. Cause those are the old petty charters and those have seven championships attached to them. They've been in the sport since day one. Mm-hmm. So those are the most valuable. Um, and they kind of range from there. And, uh, I mean, Jesus, uh, I can't remember the, the, um, that lower team that just sold like last month for like $40 million. Um, uh, and that was one of the ones that did not have all the value attached to it. So mm-hmm. uh, their charter system is proving that um, that's what teams need to do. That's what motorsports needs to, needs to do to give back value to the owners to make sure that they're just not writing a check and never see anything back in return. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a critical piece to motorsports. Um, I mean, unless you totally redo the whole model, it's a critical piece to keep this thing going. And I still believe the last sticking point with the NASCAR charters is that NASCAR wants to have them revolving where you renegotiate every TV deal or every five or 10 years, as opposed to their permanent period. And I think that's the last sticking point that they have. Mm -hmm. And for NASCAR not to um, make them permanent forever to me is shocking, is mind boggling. I don't know why they don't do that. So, I mean, I do, but I don't. I don't, I think that's an easy win for everybody. They just won't do it. So we'll see. Um, the clash in Nas- in um, Los Angeles, uh, that's going to be the third time it's going to be out there? Yeah, third or fourth. Yeah. yeah. So NASCAR is spending money on, str- on street teams to promote the race to help sell tickets. <laughs> What are what are street teams? It's just basically a group of people. They're probably dressed up in like generic NASCAR fire suits, and they go to uh, populated areas within the local market, uh-huh. and they give out free stuff. And then they probably capture an email address somewhere throughout the process, and then they hammer them with, "Hey, go to the LA Clash. Here's a discount ticket for code." To... Got it. So okay. To me, I look at that as they're not their their ticket sales are not where they used to be over the last two years. Mm-hmm. And even this article I read, they it, they said the the LA fan base is finicky, which it absolutely is. Yeah. So um, because there's so much other things to do in that part of the world. Yes, there is. Um, yeah. Uh, going to the clash for the first time. Hey, that's cool. The second time. Okay, we'll go third time. I don't want to go again. That's probably the thought process. So they're spending extra money. So when, I mean that the Coliseum holds over a hundred thousand people, you're never going to fill it up, but they want to get as many people there as as possible. So when they cut to the crowd, it looks like there's actually a crowd. Yeah, exactly. And machine gun Kelly was announced as the, the mid race break, whatever they're calling it, uh, entertainment. Mm -hmm. And that was not, that was not taken very well either. No. Hmm. No. Um, uh, okay, so speaking of saturation in motorsports, um, Anaheim won Supercross, which was the kickoff event for the Supercross season. Um, uh, the season opener in Anaheim sold out 45,000 fans. Nice. A lot of people. Uh, uh, USA Network, the race was 220,000 people watched it. Wow. <laughs> That's really bad. Yeah. When? Uh, what time did that run? Um it was uh, probably seven or eight West uh, West Coast time, so it's. I mean, for me, it's yeah, not not on the table <laughs> to watch. Uh, yeah, that so that sport seems to have its ups and downs. I think it was really on fire. Yeah, a few years ago. Sounds like it's dipping. Then if if it's that low, wow. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I don't. I think that is. Uh, I think the good thing is that um, there's probably most of the people sitting in the stands also race bikes, not mm-hmm. race bikes, but at least they're out riding their own bikes um, somewhere, mm-hmm. jumping them somewhere, trail riding, doing whatever. So to have that participation angle, that's something that probably most motorsports do not have. Correct. Yep. Um, but from a commercial standpoint, a TV number that's not really attractive at all. Now, granted, um, I don't know what the ticket is to sponsor a team, like a top team for Supercross. It's probably not $10 million. I mean, it's probably not a million dollars either. So it's still probably a fairly decent amount. But then again, it gets into the the part of what I get in return. Um, You know, the hardcore team assets, uh, the bike, there's hardly any space on the bike. You know that's why the helmets and the and the rider uniforms. Yeah, the rider uniform is big. Yeah. Um, so well, again, the in that sport, the the OEs prop prop it up a lot, put yeah. a lot of money. It's into a it. co- it's a color uh, battle. Yes. Blue, red, yellow, yellow. green. Yep. yep. Yeah. So they're all fighting with each other with their colors. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think again, it's very interesting. Each little motorsport has its own different nuance about it. And uh, to say a motorsports fan is a motorsports fan, no matter what, is just totally inaccurate. Um, you have to really right. pay attention to each fan base because they're, I, I think they're very different. Yep. Easily, yes, they're different. Very different. I think they're borderline very different. Yep. So you got to really pay attention to that. Um, that's all I had. That was a heck of a list. Yep. That was fun. Uh, Pratt Miller Motorsports Collective. Uh, we're shipping. Uh, we have inventory ready to go. Uh, uh, new people are joining up on a daily basis. Uh, we really appreciate that. Thank you very yeah. much. Um, we are going to uh, broadcast the roar on our live stream. That will be the last um, uh, free-to-air event that we do, and then we will broadcast. We will start broadcasting the uh, actual races. Um, and but you have to be a part of the Pratt and Miller Motorsports Collective to watch that. So that uh, last free one is going to be this coming weekend for the roar. Uh, we'll have some communication going out on uh, the times. So that's going to be Sunday for about an hour, 1.30 to 2.30 Eastern time, if I remember correctly. Um, that's correct, yeah. So qualifying for uh, the 24 is a pretty short window for our class. I think it's like technically 15 minutes on track. So uh, that's up and running. Um, yeah, we uh, we have yet another IMSA season rolling ahead. Um, these cars, uh, for us, it's still our, our C8 rear mounted Corvette, but everything else is different. So that's gonna, I'm sure ha- have a lot of challenges pop up. Um, uh, there, there's 10 manufacturers in our class alone, including, uh, the Mustang is bringing two cars. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be so cool. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I don't want to sound like a nerd here, but I, I think if, if you're, if you enjoy watching racing period, I think, I think the GT class for IMS is really going to satisfy you yep, uh, I agree. F- uh, for this season. And it's, um, it's going to be a pretty good battle. Uh, Germans, Italians, Americans, uh, going at it, uh, with cars that we all identify with and can tell exactly what they are. They all sound different, which is cool. Um, so that's, that's going to be a really good thing. So keep your eyes peeled uh, on our social channels this week, and we'll keep everyone informed uh, as we make our way to the Rolex 24. Right on. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everyone.